Hello and welcome to Michael's Office, a podcast which hosts my unfiltered, unscripted, and genuine thoughts about things going on in the entertainment world today. This week, well, I wanted to be this week. I wanted, not this week, the last two weeks, it's been two weeks since this podcast has been recorded. I wanted it to be the week after that so it could be consistent, but things got busy and I forgot and then I felt bad so I didn't like edit it and stuff. Um, so yeah, I was just tired and stuff, but yeah, uh, when I did record this, uh, Connor and I talked about the albums we suggested to each other. We reviewed them, we gave song rankings, stuff along those lines, and that was a whole lot of fun. So I hope you guys have a lot of fun listening to it. So please, step into my office. Hi, welcome to part two of... Michael's Office, episode 34. I mean, I don't know if a part two of the same episode would count when it's like a separate episode, but it's generally the same idea. I am back with Connor, and we have finished recording, or not recording, listening to the albums we send each other, and we're just going to talk about them. So first things first, Connor, I believe, uh, tell me why you uh, you want this to be the album you wanted to share with me and wanted me to listen to why'd you choose it well first off we should probably name the albums in advance here so Uh, the listeners know you're right uh connor what album did you choose i chose hot fuss by the killers gotcha and yeah you listened to that i listened to your choice which i'll just say it up front now it was uh ghost light by uh poets of the fall i almost right. got the band name wrong oh no what were you gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say the fall of the poets or something like that <laughs> i caught myself though very google translate um yeah so yeah why'd you cho- choose the uh, album hot fuss by the killers um i don't know if a selfish reason is quite <laughs> right quite accurate in describing why but really they're come the reason why they're coming to st louis mm-hmm. in september uh eight september 18th i believe and i want to see them ideally i would see them with a person but yeah my friends yeah, I, I, who are I, I, fans, yeah I'll, I'll probably oh, i'll probably go it's just i need to listen to more albums because i know they're gonna play oh, yeah. songs that i'm not familiar with and that's not fun <laughs> when you go to an yeah. artist you're not familiar with like when oh, I yeah. went to Winter Jam, I mean, when I went to Winter Jam, there was like a numerous artists. Well, I had a good time, but when it's like an artist that I know, like when I when I went, I went to see Skillet live and I knew all of their songs, except for maybe like one that I think Jen Ledger sang. That was one of her songs um, hmm. because I'm not familiar with her uh, as an artist. It was a really yeah. good time. That was the best part. I My favorite part of the uh, experience especially when they were one of my favorite bands at the time they still are but yeah um yeah so um yeah i think that'd be neat so what's your personal here history with this uh with this album why does it hold a special place in your heart other than the fact that you're going to want to see him or is that solely the reason why you chose it or what's generally speaking what's your history i mean that's part of it again you kind of spoiled it a bit it's like my friends who i would have seen it with aren't going to be able to make it. So I'm like, let's see if I can convince Michael if I can turn him into a Killers fan in like a couple months. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that. And also with Hot Fuss, I chose that over any of their, their other albums because it's generally considered their best. Um, mm-hmm. 
and actually really that and just like, well, if I can hook him with this one, I might, you know, I think the, I know the answer. It's like, well, apparently it worked. Cause you're like, yeah, I'd probably see it with you. And also yeah. like, it's going to dominate at least a quarter of the set list, I think. So. Of course. That's one of those more things. than likely. Right. Right. Um, okay. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, well, um, any other, like, well, speaking, what is your history? So, like, was it just, like, I want to listen to the, some of the killers. I really like Mr. Brightside because I'm pretty sure that is generally everybody's first introduction to the killers. Or was that not your first introduction to the killers? That was not, actually. I really? am a rarity. So, my introduction to the killers was through Guitar Hero 3, their song, When You Were Young, is on that game, in that game, on that oh. game, yeah. Oh, I quite gotcha. I think that's how I got introduced to Coldplay was through Yellow. That was like my favorite song to play because it was like super easy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that that's that's your okay. That's interesting. I think that's how a lot of people yes. get into like some artists through Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero is a great game. Yeah, I don't play it as often, but because I'm because I just play beginner, I can just do strum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strum. Um, okay, what are your what are your thoughts on on the killers on the uh, on hot bus? Generally speaking, what are you, what are your personal thoughts? All right, so I actually wrote this out. Like, if I'm gonna give a pitch for people who have not listened to it, here's why you should listen to Hot Fuss. Just sort of a, okay. not even a capsule-sized review. It's a little long, but, uh, you know, it's kind of this dark yet fun and, dare I say, even glitzy album that helped push alt-rock away from its grunge. I say origins. It's not quite right because the origins of alt-rock go back to punk. But more, I guess, mm -hmm. um, the more muscular direction the genre had taken because of grunge in the late 90s. So yeah. It helped push it away from that and gave a voice to the more sensitive souls who didn't quite fit into the traditional vein of masculinity that was kind of dominating as well. Mm. Social commentary there. Nice. Um, let's see. Yeah. It's important for diversifying the sound of alternative music, given that it's not really alt rock, if you will, because yeah. like I'm very particular about this. I don't know. You might disagree, but. Yeah. No, I think I'm sorry to jump in there but i agree with that it feels this feels like early alt rock it feels like the only way i can describe it is alt rock maybe there's a little bit of punk like like i don't want to say vocal editing but like vocal like thing like the vocal choices they make with the with uh, the lead singers is very punk-ish you know no that's, that's actually yeah a little bit there's another note I have about that. I where did I put this? Oh, I don't know. I've because I was listening to a, uh, Mike the Snare video. Or, yeah, because he was a very late to the game uh, video about the songs and music that defined the 2010s. And he brought up uh, what was it Young Blood or Young Thug? Uh, Young Thug. That's it. And I was okay. like, vocally, just like what they're doing there, it's the timbre of it's somewhat similar. It's quite different in other ways, given it's a rapper mm -hmm. and this is an, a singer in a kind of alt band. Excuse me, but yeah. like generally speaking, the voices for both artists, it's 
uh, close to grading. It's certainly not pretty in the traditional sense. And dare I say it requires getting some used to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a side note there, so. No, 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 it's totally, oh. totally fine. Yeah. Right, I was gonna say alt rock, yeah. So yeah, it's got punk vocals. It's not traditional alt rock, I think, which is generally more guitar driven no. and angular and got those crunchy chords and riffs. Uh, this has got colder, more alien synth textures and grooves, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. So there's that, there's that atmosphere, but it's also got, you know, the catchy melodies and anthemic choruses. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's sort of like 80s new wave through the lens of alt rock or mm. even kids raised on REM is what I wrote here. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. results are, dare I say, some of the most iconic alternative club jams of the mid 2000s. You know, these are songs that can be appreciated by most music snobs and people who just want to get drunk and dance at parties. Right, right. Yeah, totally, totally. And also just to end it on a more palatable note, just, this song's got some bangers on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's- <laughs> This song, this album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what you meant, I know what you meant. <laughs> but like, yeah, uh, like, man, I forgot what I was gonna say, but I think, um, yeah, the, the, the music, I'm not much of a music snob as you are, I'm not as musically versed um, as you are. But generally speaking, it's, you can, uh, you can really uh, love or acknowledge, that was the word, acknowledge the composition behind the songs and the instrumentals and the, um, and the lyrics aren't super deep but they're like, they're just enough to have a bunch of like yeah. metaphors and uh, just to get, get through the song, but also hooking you in with the, with their super catchy hooks, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, um, listen, my experience with this album was, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's how different, you can rebuttal or respond to my, your experience if it's any, any way similar. Um, I listened to this and I was very interested in how the album, album progressed. It was very interesting to me how each song kind of uh, progressed and changed. Um, generally speaking, it always feels like, um, I mean, generally in songs, this is what's going on, but this is very distinct. It feels like they're always talking to somebody instead of like them being soliloquies like how a lot of songs are they feel like they're always they're very direct to somebody and they're always yes. talking to somebody like either they're telling a story they're like the audience but that to them it's always a specific person or they're physically talking it never feels like they're telling a story to like out to a crowd it always feels like it's very personal and the best way I can describe it, even though that's still a gen like maybe a campfire or something like that, just where people would share stories that feel or at a bar or something like that, where people are sharing stories at the counter. Um, that and 
it was interesting. What really interested me was sometimes it would d- diverge from the like alt rock genre with something like "And a Year a Star," which had that bit of a country twang, like not country twang, but a country kind of country grungy feel. Um, oh, interesting. That's I'll what I really to that one because that's what I got when I, 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 I listened. Sorry, sorry, you go. No, you go first. I'll chime in in a second. Yeah, I was about to say, I listen to a lot of dark country, so sometimes that it would fall that same, how it would have a very similar sound to like some of those dark country songs, which was interesting. And, um, but my experience was also when I listened to it for a third time, the second time was a, just a casual listen through. The third time, and I was actually listening, looking at the lyrics, um, I think it might have changed my experience because it was not the interpretation. Some of the songs were completely changed because of like, I'm going to go to Genius. That was not a smart idea. I'm going to go to Genius just because it has like an album thing. And I'll try not to click on the like the meanings. And then that would kind of alter my perception of the songs because people are like, this is oh, what absolutely. this lyric means. I'm like, oh no, I should have just done lyrics because I didn't want to like search it up as I was going on the subway since I am in Boston right now that I would use up my internet and my phone was low so I just wanted to stay on one page the whole time instead of searching it up absolutely yeah uh yeah um oh uh that's generally my experience with it it was a very interesting album is this is their debut album or is this their breakout album this this is is their debut debut album and their breakout album wow what a what a strong, strong debut, you know? Like, yeah. what a great debut. Um, have they, uh, I know they keep going back to this. This is like their, I don't want to say it's their crutch, but it's always their, like, good old faithful kind of album. Have they ever had another resurgence or is just these are the songs that they're really known for? I mean, Sam's Town, their next album, has a few that are quite fondly remembered. When You Were Young's probably the big one from that. It's gotten, so curiously, I'm gonna go on a tangent here. Um, Sam's Town was very much lambasted by critics when it was released. Cause like Brandon Flowers kind of said, it's like, oh yeah, it's gonna be like the best rock and roll record of the past 20 years or whatever. Ooh, don't do that, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, journalists are like, oh really? Yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah, that's part of the reason why. And then kind of by the end of the decade, really, because that album came out 2006. So like by the end of the decade, there's a bit of a reappraisal. And then um, Mm -hmm. even 15 years later, it's like often considered like right up there with Hot Fuzz, maybe not quite in the same league. It's a very different record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That one actually Uh, is more traditional alt rock while also incorporating uh, some Bruce Springsteen in there. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's some of the greatest albums of all time. I don't think, ne- I don't think ever a band has been like, this is the greatest album of all time. It's usually just like, like the acclaim that comes from critics at the time and audiences and that grows at the time. Or sometimes I remember we saw the Sparks documentary. I remember reading that as soon as that was released, people said this is one of the greatest albums. Ever made. I don't know if they say it was one of the greatest albums ever made or one of the greatest they've ever heard um, at the time when it was at like either a year later afterwards released with Little Beethoven. Um, hmm. I remember either it was either a year or like right as a release, but that's I don't think that's 
that's a very occasional occurrence where people are like, this is the greatest album I've ever heard, like, or this is one of the best of all time. I don't think that happens. It's I think it's more about like a it builds over time. Like yeah. I don't think it's certainly not right away. Right. Uh, like you can like have so, albums that are acclaimed and loved. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, go <laughs> on. Okay. So uh, I think a good example going way back would be Joni Mitchell's Blue from 1971, mm-hmm. 72. Like that is yeah. an album that at its release was acclaimed. It's like one of the, considered one of the greatest of its year, but like not greatest of all time necessarily. You know, it's like, this is a really phenomenal singer songwriter folk album from this artist that's really, I don't know if progress is quite the right word. I don't know. Like with the, mm-hmm. her storytelling is a big thing. It's just the way she's advancing this. I don't know. I'd have to review like what people have said. And I like Joni Mitchell quite a bit, but like yeah. it was definitely kind of that sort of narrative there. Right. Uh, I think, but when it, when it comes to an example of being like growing great over time, like I don't think, uh, I remember you reviewing this, but the Beatles, uh, uh, something, something, Sgt. Pepper's band, marching band, that one wasn't, that one grew a claim over Lonely time. Lonely Hearts Club band. Yeah, whatever. And then also A Night at the Opera House from Queen, which is considered one of the greatest albums of all time. Yes. Uh, that one grew a claim over time. I'm pretty sure it was, wasn't it like, I don't know, Bohemian Rhapsody isn't super accurate, but wasn't, wasn't it a, like not, it wasn't panned, but it wasn't super successful both among critics and and listeners at the time. Yeah, so um, it got kind of mixed reviews critically. It was popular with listeners because it sold really well, you know? Yeah. And Bohemian Rhapsody, that song went to number one, so. Right, okay. Okay, gotcha, okay. Yeah, so now let's move on to the song rankings, which we're gonna start from worst to best we're gonna like talk about them um so yeah uh oops, wait, no 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 what is your least favorite song at number 11 oh okay we're only doing 11 so oh 12 i forgot to, i forgot to oh. mark uh glamorous rock and roll i forgot to mark that 12 sorry i 12. was wondering yeah because you said you were gonna listen to the version with that um, so I, I didn't re-listen to this album for this, like oh. I was more focused on the album you sent me. So it was mostly going yeah. off memory here, which makes things a little more difficult, not as fresh in my mind, but for my bottom pick, I think I could flip flop between these two, actually. And I enjoy all of these songs, but mm-hmm. I'm probably going with Midnight Show. Really? That is, that is my number five up there that well uh, so we're gonna have a bit of a discussion here uh yes uh and my number my number 12 is everything will be all right where did you put yeah that's not too far from the bottom yeah where do you put everything will be all right in yours what was your i put it at number 10 okay okay that's fair um so why is midnight show so low i don't know I'm, you know what? It's probably more 11 rather than 12. I might actually. Okay, good. But I'll talk about it I'm thinking about this. I'm like, I'll okay. talk about it because I mentioned it. But yeah. Yeah. But I it's think. It's really, it's. Sorry. 
You're oh. fine. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, so, no. you got, you got, you got. Okay. Okay. So really it's, I put it at 12 and it might raise up if I re-listen to the album, which I, I tend to do. It's a go-to for me for road, you know, not super long road trips, but some road trips. Um, for me, it's really just kind of a little too derivative of, uh, well, okay. It's not really derivative actually, but it's of a similar vein to Jenny was a friend of mine in that it's part of this uh, murder trilogy. Right. So two right. songs on this album and then one on the uh, B-sides album. Yeah. And yeah. like it's a different style. Well, it's kind of similar opening chord actually, but it's b- much more up up tempo, not upbeat. <laughs> Very want to make yeah. that distinction. Up tempo and kind of quicker and got a fun guitar riff app. And I do love yeah. when Brand Flyers are like drive faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part why it's so high for me. <laughs> it's intense, you know. I'll give it that. So I might actually have to bump it up a few because of that. But like when I was composing this real quickly, I was like, I don't know. It just feels like the lesser version of Jenny was a friend of mine. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, well, I, I disagree. Uh, I'll talk about why That's I fair. like Midnight Show. Uh, for me, everything will be all right. I just felt like I get it. Like in the thematic sense of the album, everything all right is a, it's an okay. It's a good, it's a decent like finale. But like on its own, it's a very like weak song. It was just kind of like, hmm. like everything will be all right is, I mean, I like the build it has at the end, but that, generally speaking, it's very basic to me and just very, a lot of repetitive lyrics. And as you know, I love Sparks. I feel like they do the repetitive things because at least they counter repetitive lyrics. They balance out repetitive lyrics with these masterfully com- composed songs. Like the, the composition yeah. behind them and or, the orchestral and the instrumental is so well crafted. And that's why you bypass the repetitive lyrics. This one, it's just like, it's, it's decently composed, but you, when you have these repetitive lyrics without much uh, weight behind them, not weight, or like a, I don't know, with lyrical impact and just, and it kind of, it just feels like it fizzles out rather than just being, and maybe that's the point that they wanted it to kind of fizzle out when all this like kind of high emotional stuff is going on in the previous songs and thematically, but it's kind of feels like a weak ending to the whole album to me. That is fair. I kind of, for me, I kind of think of it as a coda more than a proper ending because mm. um, let's see, how do I articulate this? So Hot Fuss is, you mentioned sequencing and arrangement and progression earlier as an album it's very front loaded with like all the hits and the more popular songs and on the first half and then kind of the some would argue lesser songs on the second half there's some gems there yeah and they're all solid if you were to rearrange it though like i did this at one point actually but i would have all these things that i've done as the second to last track so you have that big emotion emotional climax and then you have everything all right just a stronger juxtaposition i think that enhances the song Mm -hmm. and what it's going for but you're right it's very basic it's very much about atmosphere yes Mm -hmm. and sometimes just because it doesn't do much beyond the basic drum machine and synths and brandon's voice it's it can get very boring real quick i acknowledge this yeah okay my number 11 was Smile Like You Mean It. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. What was your number 11? <laughs> well, it, My is, number it 11. is Midnight Show, but what was your number? What is your new number 12? What we'll play? What, yeah. what did you? All right, so I'm going with Andy, You're a Star. Oh, I really like that song. That's my number six. But okay, uh, smile like you mean it. Um, uh, smile like you mean it. Uh, it's kind of like this is a sad song, but again, it just it's kind of like I can understand why this would be higher up. I looked at the lyrics. I think I may have to rearrange it, but it's like um, it's kind of a bitter song. You know, it's it's like hiding behind like kind of happy instrumentals, but it's just when I first listened to it, and then when I listened to it again, um, it didn't really leave much of an impact on me at all. I was it was I forgot about it when I think somebody told me is right. I lifted in uh, it was either all the things I've done or somebody told me that happened, so I completely forgot about it when it um when I got to the point. I think that was my main criticism, and the same That's thing with my number ten. It was like both. I just completely forgot about it. I'm like, oh shoot. And it didn't leave much of an impact on me. So my counter, my rebuttal, I mean, I like it. It's a bit more understated than a lot of the songs on here. I'm just, I'm a sucker for that, those harmonies during the chorus and the lyrics. Cause I'm not much of a lyric person, but I do like the lyrics and the story told in this song. And just also, I like that it's in a range that I can sing along to it rather comfortably. I can let, do this at karaoke. Let me smile like you mean it with the, 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 are you talking about the, the lyrics near the end? I can't, let me look at the, not a, so, um, is it the, the final chorus that smile like you mean it, saying it four times or isn't someone is calling my name in the back of the restaurant? Oh, someone's calling my name. Yeah. In the back of the restaurant. Oh, I like that part. Yeah. I like that yeah. part. Okay um that those, okay i like those lyrics okay why are you not a fan of andy you're a star that seems a little rude because <laughs> again <laughs> i like all these songs but okay okay so just explain ex explain why it's your number 12 since it's not your number 11 anymore i'm guessing yeah so i don't know it's just hmm this is a difficult one. I just, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. Like the riff solid, the, mm -hmm. I think it's the vocal line. The vocal line's a little bit boring for me until like um, around, there's no actual bridge, but there's a certain point when Brandon Flowers kind of dips into his falsetto that really catches my ear and it doesn't quite explode, but it actually there's a bit more energy and weight behind it. But like a, a lot of the time, I guess it's kind of like everything will be all right. It's a bit in that it's a very basic, it doesn't build a whole lot, but mm. unlike that one, it does actually build eventually, but. Oh, I disagree. I, 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 it, I, I mean, I don't think the song, I don't feel like this is a song that needs to, it's very ground, not grounded, but it feels very low. Like there, it's very, I think it's a, the, arguably the most different song on the album. It doesn't sound like anything else that on the album. That might be it. Yeah, I'll it's tell definitely you more guitar oriented. Yeah, it's more guitar, it's more grounded. Um, I'll get into why I really like it when it's my turn. But, but my number nine uh, will be on Number top. 10? Oh, oh, sorry, 10. 10. Change your mind. This is my number 10. Change oh, your mind. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, boy. That is. 
my favorites. Oh, really? I'm so sorry. Yes, I love Change Your Mind. Okay, then what's your number 10? Which is, okay, I mentioned it. My number 10 is Everything Will Be All Right. Okay, okay, yeah. Kind of got into that already, so. Change Your Mind, I'll just say it was very forgettable to me. Like, it didn't do anything for me every time I listened to it. Didn't do anything for me. That's it. I haven't looked at lyrics. I'm like, okay, that's fair, I suppose. I mean, I guess it sounds like regretful in a way, or like he was trying to hold on to the past, hoping for the person to change their mind. But again, mm, mm. but yeah. So, what is your, your, if you had any rebuttal to that, what is your rebuttal? All right. So, well, okay. I acknowledge that I don't, it's not necessarily like controversial, but perhaps a bit of a contrarian take because excuse me again it's on the second half where it's not as beloved as the first half of the album i i just love the kind of the tone of it it's warmer than a lot of the songs mm-hmm. i love the kind of synth hook the that it's got a fun bass line simple but like effective and um you said regret there's a little bit but there's also hope in there you know mm. which has really found the chorus and if the answer is no can i change your mind you still going after this girl or the you know or a guy you know because andy your star is about kind of romantic attraction towards a football player i believe but yeah oh i, I just i kind of disagreed with that when i listened to the song and then i heard i didn't realize it was about that inter- interpretation until somebody uh until i saw genius so that affected me a little bit but uh yeah okay. maybe why yeah oh i've heard that so many times but yeah okay cool my number nine is on top that's also my number nine. Oh, sweet um yeah it's 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 fine i mean i like it it's very much like kind of I, if I remember the lyrics and kind of the sound of it, let me check real quick of on top. It sounds like it's just making, it's kind of making fun of like pop in general and like the wrongs of it. If I remember correctly. Oh no, it's about somebody on drugs. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. I've not paid the attention to the lyrics for that one, actually. Because like a lot of these, they've, even though I'm not a lyric guy, I'm like, oh yeah, I can generally tell that one's kind of, you know, always yeah. drawing a blank, which is maybe why it's at number nine. But I was going to say, it's probably not about fame. It's probably about like sex or something. <laughs> but yeah, no, no drugs. It's about yeah, that makes drugs. sense. That's yeah, it's about being high. But that's it. It's just like drugs bad. <laughs> and this is what happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. I like the instrumental, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, it's got a fun opening, and yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I agree. I agree totally. Um, my number eight. I think you're you're gonna disagree. I think one might be here. I have Jenny was a friend of mine. Yeah, I disagree with that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's your number eight? My number eight is glamorous indie rock and roll, and I don't know where it's at for yours, but it's largely. I'm guessing it's high on the list for you. Yeah, it's pretty high. <laughs> okay. It's 
nothing against the song. It's really just because I'm less familiar with it than the other ones, because the CD version I have doesn't have that on there. So uh, not as okay. special as some of the other songs. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Totally understandable. I, I Since I listened to the first time, I have a really high preference for it. And looking at the uh, song meaning for it, I'm like, oh, I like it even more now. <laughs> Apparently. The apparent song meaning for it. Um, Jenny was a friend of mine. Was an interesting opening to the album. Um, I didn't realize it was a part of a murder trilogy. But it's just, or the murder trilogy. So I didn't, it was, when I listened for the first time, I'm like, this is okay. I'm not okay. That's, I'm like, this is pretty good. I mean, it's no Mr. Brightside or anything, but it's a pretty good song. Like, I, I liked, it's an interesting opening. Talk about uh, a friend. Um, but it's like having the context behind it, like it's based on a real murder, makes the song kind of sad, you know? Um, well, I don't think it's based on a real murder, as far as I'm aware. I, I thought it was based on a real murder. Oh, I must be wrong. But uh, it's, it, yeah, it's a, a unique way to open the, the album from here yeah it is unique and i i love that song so much i it's <laughs> the energy and the bass line i am a mm. sucker for that yeah. and brandon's vocals it's like he's practically ripping his throat screaming like on some of those uh what is it she said she loved me that line for example mm. i do i would do say it, it does have like that kind of emotional i don't want to say emotional weight but like you you feel it you know you feel it okay interesting yeah. um what's your number seven because i've been telling you my number seven my number seven yeah is believe me natalie hey same place um <laughs> How about that yeah that's really neat um yeah so what are your what do you what, what, why is believe me natalie near number seven um it's just i don't know it's calm compared to a lot of the songs yes it's, it's again it's about atmosphere i mean a lot of this is to some degree or another but um it's relaxed i don't know it's just nothing really special but like that sounds harsh but like you know what i mean it's like it's not top tier but it's nice and pleasant it's like you know mm -hmm. totally and i love like totally. the end of it as well when it picks mm -hmm. up a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to have to just remind myself. Oh my gosh. Believe me, Natalie. I just need to see so that I can like look at the lyrics. Oh, yeah, I think this is a really fun, this not really fun. I think this is a fun song. It's kind of like, um, it's a, also a sad song. Isn't this also a song in the murder trilogy, or is that just Midnight Show? No, it's just Jenny was a friend of mine in Midnight Show. And there's another song, but it's not in this album, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, according to Genius. Um, yeah, this is like the reading the, the contrast between the lyrics and the, the song itself. Like, it's a fun song, and then you get into the lyrics, and it's kind of sad, but it's just yeah. like. <laughs> um but it's it's an interesting contrast and that's why i think i have it a bit up that high um yeah and then 
What's your number six? My number six, let's look at this. Um, I'm actually going back and forth now because. Hmm. It's a, we've been talking to you like. I, you know what? I'll stick with what I have originally have here. It's all these things that I've done. <gasps> okay. Uh, I won't. Uh, that's pretty high up too. I won't say where it is, but I, I love that song okay. a whole lot. <laughs> uh, why, why? My number six is Andy Star, as you mentioned. But why is number six? Why is all the things you've done and that place? What are your thoughts about it? Um, I mean, I love the finale to the song and the uh, yes. guitar solo right before that, the gospel. Um, I'm not even gonna dox it points for like a lot of people would for the I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier line, which um, in case you don't know, the killers, Brandon Flowers isn't a really great lyricist. If you Yeah, no, like 90% but I love of the time. That. No, I love it's, that it's line. fun. It's actually, you know what, I enjoy that line too. The thing about Brandon Flowers, 90% of the time, he's perfectly adequate. He does a good job conveying a song. And that other 10%, though, there's a line that makes you go, what? Sometimes it's kind of funny, and then other times, like, ooh, that was bad. Uh, mm -hmm. Their most recent album, one of my favorite songs on it, Runaway Horses, which uh, features Phoebe Bridgers, ooh. it opens with, like, uh, what is it? She's got a Coca-Cola grin or something like that. I'm like, oh, I don't, I get you're going for an image here. I don't like it, though, Brandon. I don't like it. <laughs> That's a hilarious image. <laughs> yeah, he's playing it straight too because it's a very somber piece. What? No, that should be a. It should be like a very summer song if he's gonna open with that. It should be a very summery song. Yeah, I think I shared that one with you last oh, I gotta year. To one it again. <laughs> yeah, you gave it like a seven or something. I I recall because it was on Instagram. It was uh. You read the thing, send me a song, I'll give my thoughts or a rating, whatever. I don't know if I did that first or not. I didn't actually do ratings, but I know you did it as well. Yeah, okay. I, I got to listen to that again. What the? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I really, that one really hit me. When I was listening to it the first time, that really hit me. I'll talk about the song, but um, yeah. that really hit me. I love this song. So that's all I'll say right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Back to all these things I've done. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. You listeners, you can blame me for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I uh, think for me, I like the finale. Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit to build to it is my thing. The verses are fine. Yeah. Again, I probably, it might be higher if I had actually re-listened to this album, you know, right? this. Right, right. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, yeah, uh, I put Andy, you're a star for mine, and I really loved its Western twang, and it's like kind of like really, um, it felt very much, when I first listened to it, it it felt like, I didn't realize it was about a football player, I thought it was about a movie star, or somebody who got famous, and he's like angry at him, and he's like kind of- I can of, see that as well, yeah. It felt like he was kind of angry at him. He's like lonely in a, a bar or something like that. And he was seeing all this fame happening. And he was kind of like yelling at him in his own, not his drunk state, but like in his mind, he was yelling at him. Like it was just kind of this thing. But I, I found it really interesting that it's about 
a guy's crush on a uh, on a football thing, and if you want to divulge in that, blah 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 blah. What do you what do you think about that? Um, let me pull up the lyrics real quick because I think just based off my memory, I'm like, yeah, you could read it as that, and it would make perfect sense. It's I don't know if it's quite progressive because it was 2004. Well, it's somewhat progressive, I guess, for 2004 that you know this. Well, they're alt rock, so in that I don't know, like this album that actually hit the top ten and produced, you know, a top ten single in the form of Mr. Brightside. You have on it a song about a guy in love with another guy, which is still a bit taboo at that time. So right, right. And I'm just gonna, I won't call it the bravest thing ever necessarily, but like it, it's certainly like good on you, killers. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I respect mm-hmm. your decision of focusing the song on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, and it opens with "On the Field." I remember you were incredible. Then mm. I think that's kind of the tell there. Besides, just like him having said, "Yeah, it's about a football player." Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think I really love the baseline and I love the western playing, and I feel like it's very somebody yelling at somebody. Um, uh, or, I mean, that changed. That's when I was like didn't really pay attention to the lyrics, and then I did. I can totally see the gay part but it also feels like he's making fun of somebody um yeah uh what's your number five so my number five is smile like you mean it oh wow my number five is midnight show but uh so talk about uh, i don't i think you rebuttaled to my for smile like you mean it but uh if you want to go into more depth about why you love smile like you mean it you can go into depth right here yeah so um, it's just a nice mid-tempo piece. I got a, a fair amount of it out based off memory, but like, uh, I oh, I, what I didn't mention, the guitar solo on there, I think it's maybe my favorite guitar solo on the album, actually, mm. right before, like, right after the bridge, yeah, which I love that bridge, and someone's calling my name from the back of the restaurant, and then the guitar solo, and then that chorus again. Again, they, they're great at building towards these finales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And completely agree. Yeah. Mm. Well, why I like Midnight Show, this is a romp of a song, if I just say it's a really romp of a song. That's boring the lyrics. It is so much fun. I thought it was about a guy running away with a girl going around like not around the country, but around like the state doing what they want, kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde, but like a legal Bonnie and Clyde. That's what I, that's what I interpreted as not someone running away from a murder or getting murdered. <laughs> that's what it sounds like without looking to me. It sounded like the guy just running away with a girl and then having a good time. So that's why I had it so high up. But now with the murder, I'm like, hmm. I still think it's a bit of a interesting, uh, fun song. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just love the drive faster boy part. I think that's a really fun yes. vocal part. Ah, uh, so much fun! Yeah, it's just a really fun song. Yeah, it is fun. Um, I'm feeling kind of stupid that I put it at the very bottom. Like it probably actually goes above everything. Will be all right, and maybe even on top as well. Right, right. Totally. Like it may go cl- closer to the middle. I'm thinking mm. about it more and remembering it. Yeah. Okay. What's your number four? So my number four 
this is where I'm kind of like these top four rather interchangeable. I think they're all really good. I think this might be blasphemous, but I'm going with Mr. Brightside. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, my number four is glamorous indie rock and roll. I, uh, why is Mr. Brightside your number four? I think for me, it's like it's the one song on the album that you really hear in a lot of places. And I just, uh, it's good, but like I get a little tired sometimes. It's kind of Bohemian Rhapsody like that, which that one, Bohemian Rhapsody is a phenomenal song, but like, boy, yeah. do you get tired of it every time it comes on, not every time it comes on the radio, but like because of how frequently it's played, sometimes it's just like, eh, I'd rather listen to something else, even though I know it's a great composition. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Uh, Glamorous indie rock and roll, I feel like is a, if this was the, this would be a really great ending. It's just, an, it's very much like good word to be an amalgamation of all the, the song, like the, all the songs. And it's really great to listen to, but I didn't realize that it's also making fun of the fact that they, like they were trying to, they knew that they were going to be popular because of this album. Like they knew they're going to be successful and they're making fun of the fact that they're making not fun of themselves, but the fact that they knew they were going to be popular and how well this thing it just sounds like all their songs combined. But that makes me kind of like it a little bit more because I'm confident they are about this album and this song. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that, but like, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it because of that. The ability, it's like, we're just going to take the piss out on ourselves, you know? Right. But it's still a really good song. Because it's just yeah. like, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, what's your what's your number three? All right, so my number three is somebody told me. Same. Oh my All gosh, right. I nearly put it at number two. I thought it, at one point I thought it was better than Mr. Brightside, um, for the same reason as you. It was like it get, oh, Mr. Brightside gets overplayed, but somebody told yeah. me. Oh, it's like I think it's like a good. Um, pairing with mr brightside i do they Absolutely. play right after each other i can't remember if they play right after each other no uh smile like you mean it's between the two. Oh, which well there i like the smile like you mean it's there but, well i would probably rearrange it a little bit but like i like it because you have these two energetic numbers to begin with then you kind of got to calm down a bit which is partly why i appreciate smile like you mean it a bit more than you perhaps mm, i don't know okay but i just feel like this is a good partner song like you know there's some movies that are like good partner Absolutely. movies or, or or stuff like that this is a very good partner song to mr brightside um oh i love the chorus is top tier the somebody told yes. me that you had a boyfriend that looked like a girlfriend and it just repeats at the end ah oh, so this again very fun mm. song it's the but the chorus is immaculate the chorus yeah. is immaculate oh yeah 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 as a companion piece like to not really compare the two but like just an interesting note like mr brightside has that iconic guitar riff the mm -hmm. almost jangly you know doo -doo 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 -doo, that somebody told me he's got the synth hook like mm -hmm. yeah like both are great on any given day i could go you know sometimes i'd prefer one sometimes i'd prefer the other both are kind of this is more so maybe the club song Mm -hmm. what i was getting at with kind of my summation it's like it's really this mr brightside but like this one especially is 
a song you could dance to. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, excellent song. They're both, and then, yeah, what's your number two? All right, my number two, I'm going with Change Your Mind. Oh, man. Mine is yeah. very obvious. It's is Mr. Brightside is my number two. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, did you go, if you want to divulge more, tell me why Change Your Mind is your number two. Right, so I mean, again, it's very different tonally from a lot of it. It's very warm and kind of upbeat, you know, mm-hmm. positive, kind of hopeful. I again a baseline i just i don't know i'm a sucker for kind of i guess saccharine sort of sweet songs and this is that and also again a nice harmony in the chorus yeah 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 i think i may need to look at it through that lens of like kind of like the hopeful ending part but again it was just yeah i already told you why i was I'm not in i don't love it as much as you but mr bright it's mr Brightside, like yeah. Mr. Brexit. We, we talked. Uh, you it's talked. so good. It doesn't even need a second verse. It's just the yeah. first verse again. Yeah, it's just the first verse. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's simple. Everybody loves it. Like it's super catchy. Like it's Mr. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I'm going to go with my song. Number. Yeah. My, yeah, oh. you told me what your number song, number one song. Isn't that a smile like you mean it is uh, your number one, right? No, I put that at five. I was going to say, I was going to make a quick joke, really, before we revealed our number ones. Oh, sure. So I said, Mr. Brightside, you know, it's so good. It only needs one verse. Only other song I can think of that pulls that off is uh, Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkey. That is all verse or all chorus, really. Oh, hey, I'll do you one better. My baby's taking me home. It's just one verse over and over oh, again. That's true. You're right. You're right. Except for that spoken word stuff, like near the end of my baby's taking me home. My baby's taking me home is just one verse the whole time. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your number one? I, I, I can't, I feel so bad that I forgot. But what's your number one? No, it's all right. My number one is Jenny was a friend of mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And mine is all the things, all these things I've done. Um, so very different songs emotionally, I think. Yes, yes, completely agree. Um, yeah, why? I think you may have you talked a little bit about it, but why is Jenny was a friend of mine your number one? I mean, it's. It's the energy. It's just a great way to hook the listener in for this album. It's like, because I'm I was familiar with some of these songs, you know, Mr. Brightside. Somebody told me specifically before I was like, I'll give this first album a listen, even though they were quite different from when you were young, you know, from Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and totally. then this song, it's like, what am I listening to? This is not. This is barring the vocals which do take a little bit of getting used to i'm like this this energy is infectious it's almost heavy metal well Mm. sonically it's not heavy metal but like the intensity is kind of like that yeah yeah totally um yeah no 
Um, for me, all these things I've done is this is probably, in my opinion, the most emotionally, uh, not demanding, most emotionally resonant song um, to me. It's this very like persevere, like the, like a very perseverant, um, emotionally resonating song with me. As much as probably as corny as I have, I don't, I got soul, I'm not, I don't got soul, but I'm a soldier or something like that. I got soul and I'm not a soldier is very, maybe corny, maybe not. I enjoy it. I love when it's repeated. It's very no. perseverant. It's very emotional. They sell the I hell love out it. Of it. I know. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, the really, it's that crescendo and build to the end that's this emotional. Uh, sat, emotionally satisfying climax, which makes it work wonders for me. Yeah. Uh, let me. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Those are our song rankings. That's hot sauce. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for choosing that, Connor. Um, yeah. Now it's onto my uh, album choice, Poets of the Fall. Well, mine was kind of also a selfish reason. It was more like uh, I wanted to see what people was what people's thoughts were on this album. I really like this album. I love it, in fact. Um, and I just wanted to get somebody else's thoughts. Is and not scroll through like Twitter reviews, and just get an in-person thing. Um, I love Poets of the Fall. They're my favorite yeah. band. Uh, I was excited for this album. Um, my history was it was like I didn't realize they were coming out with the new album. So, I mean, I should have expected since they're like touring a lot, but like they always got to create new albums. So it was like, I listened to the second album song on the album, which is they released it as a single, Requiem for my heart, for the Harley Quinn. And I'm like, I'll talk about it later. I've come around on the song. Okay. But when I listened to it, I'm like, I don't like, if this is what their new sound is going to be like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like their sound at all in this song. Oh, really? No, I, I grew, I've grown, as I said, I've grown to like it, but I was like, this feels like an, an, an English dubbed anime song. I don't like it. <laughs> you know what? I can, I can, I can kind of hear it. Yeah. Um, and then I saw the music video and I'm like, Marco, he gets really committed to his songs. I don't know who the director is, but he always like does his best. And sometimes he's like, actually genuinely like and very entertaining and pretty good. And I saw the video, I'm like, this is, oh, Marco, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, but it was just, I was like, ooh, I don't like this sound. And then I listened to it, and then I'm like, ooh. I was, uh, yeah, I was listening to it, and I was, the first two songs, I was like, this is not the Poets of the Fall I know. This is so different, and I don't like it. It was, it was I was not a huge fan. And then the rest of the album happened, like, oh, this is the photo fall, I know. And then I really liked how it went on to this. If I'm if anybody's gonna listen to the album, I recommend listening to it chronologically, like how it was released. Because uh for me, it's very much like this, it tells this story. It's a very much a character study of a man. I don't know if it's the Harley Quinn, is it like that's where I feel like does make that turning point. It feels like it's telling the story of a man. Uh, going just dealing with something I don't know what but it's a very emotionally investing song he looks back on things like his love life and his uh, 
his nostalgia, like he has nostalgia for certain things, like, uh, and it's a very symphonic, and like it sounds like a symphony. I described it as like a, it sounds like a symphony of poetry and emotional, uh, emotionality. It's, uh, it, it has a beautiful climax near the end. Um, it is definitely, I feel like, one of the most emotional albums they've had instead of focusing in previous times where it's a lot more focused on lyrically and, and sound, like these different F's in sound. Because Poets of the Fall don't encounter, like they don't try to tackle themes. So you tackle a bunch of wide different themes in their songs, but generally speak, like they generally stick to a sound. Well, how is this album gonna sound rather than sticking to a theme or what story they're gonna tell throughout the whole album? It's very much, they're much a very, they're very sound driven uh band because they're they don't really define themselves by genre so generally speaking so every yeah yeah okay um that is generally my thoughts about the album and uh yeah what what are you what are your little short little thoughts that's also kind of like my history with it as well yeah absolutely so um i guess so I've only heard a couple of songs by them because you know, you're a fan, uh, notably yeah. Carnival of Rust, because that's like their big one. Right. It I is think. their big, yeah. it is their song. It is what they're generally known for outside of like maybe war or something that they use as like a, not an idiom band, but like a, like also do another band. It's generally them, but they're going to more like the heavy rock, heavier rock sound. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Continue, please. <laughs> so if I were to describe this album, the vibes I got were it was kind of if Opeth hadn't started out as a death metal band and weren't constantly like depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, there's some kind of melancholy moments on here, but like, I don't know. Musically, it reminded me a bit of Opeth. Okay. For whatever reason, like, I guess because like they're both Scandinavian bands. Uh, yes. Poets of the Fall are from... Uh, Finland and Opeth are from Sweden, mm. which mm. also means that this album by default is not as uh, melodically rich and catchy because like the Swedes, <laughs> they have <laughs> a history like ABBA, Max Martin, Shellback, you know, these artists and producers who have made some of the biggest pop hits in history. Right. Totally. I've, that's I mostly mean, a joke, by the way. It's not. A, I not know. A I know. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I, I, if you were being serious, I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. I don't feel like this is also, I don't think this is their strongest um, melodically. I think they've had stronger songs because I think it works better. Bohan, like if you take an, a song out, I don't think it's as strong as compared to like some of their other albums. Well, this one, I think it's stronger as one cohesive album compared to like some other songs, which would be like, oh, that's a hit. That'd be what I consider a hit. Um, yeah. Sorry, continue. Uh, with your, yeah, with, no. if you have any more things think, about the album, yeah, you're right about that. Because like I listened the first time I listened to it, it was actually separated in like two chunks. So I, I meant to get through it in one sitting, which is what I like to do with albums. But I got busy doing other things. I was I want to devote actual time to paying attention to this, so I uh, stopped after Revelations, and <laughs> I didn't pick it up for like another day. So start starting with Heroes and Villains like that next day, it's like a little off putting. Just jumping right into <laughs> there. Yeah, like second time listening, you know, it's a lot yeah. better. Yeah, totally. Uh, a minor joke, actually, like the second half of the album, all the titles are 
either like other song names or close to them. Like Heroes and Villains is a Beach Boys song. Lust for Life is an Iggy Pop tune. <laughs> Chasing Echoes <laughs> is one, you know, word away from being Chasing Shadows by Kansas. And then Weaver of Dreams is very close to Dreamweaver, you know? <laughs> I was just like, all right, all right, Poe to the floor. Are you, just, are you fucking with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, Lust for Life, uh, when we get to that song, I'll talk about I'll talk about it later, but it's funny that you pointed out for lust for life. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, yeah, okay. Anything else you have to say about um, about uh, the ghost light? Your like short thoughts and stuff. Right. Um, other thoughts. It's a big one actually. So sonically, I mean, I had a joke about what this band sounds like based off the album, but more seriously, it kind of it reminds me, I guess, the production of not modern dad rock that's not quite right but like what i equate a certain section of music my dad listens to mm-hmm. this album is produced like that like uh, obs- relatively obscure groups that are kind of tangentially related to kansas actually but aren't prog so like uh seventh key some steve walsh solo stuff and uh drum maza like the production's yeah. kind of like that it's like guys in their 50s who make it or listen to it who d- jumped off the rock bandwagon after grunge came along i'm pretty That's sure marco is like he's near his 50s so marcus arrestor is like 50 something or 40 something right now he's got a great voice it's just he's 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 51 right now <laughs> he's in okay his yeah he's got a good voice for yeah very healthy boy. So that's kind of the sound, the, the sonic production. Um, it's almost almost mechanical, not in an 80s way, thankfully. It's not, thankfully, it is not Def Leppard, but like w- when you hear those drums specifically, like the snare, it's got a bit of an artifice and a bit of a punch because it's not a supernatural drum tone, but neither is it clearly like a drum machine. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So my new detail. Um okay, let's start with our ranking. Um let me get rid of this thing real quick. So what do you have at the bottom of your of your list? Um right. So this I probably I feel like I'm gonna need at least one more listen before I get a really firm grasp on a ranking, but at the moment. I think Revelations is at the bottom for me. Ooh, mine's that's nearly at the bottom for me. Um, okay. Mine is Heroes and Villains. Is that my number in 10? Because I keep forgetting that this is one where I'm like, every time I get to it, I'm like, you know, Mark, very nice falsetto. Very nice falsetto, strong falsetto. But I, yeah. there's only one time I like it, and that's Days. That's another song where he sounds really good, but he's a lot younger than this one. He's, okay. uh, I, he's, it's just, he's not, relying it much. Like he, and every album, I'm pretty sure he uses his falsetto. This one, he's like using it too much. And I'm like, okay, Marco, love your voice, but this is a bit too much. Heroes and Villains was a bit. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. No, cause the first time he used his falsetto was on uh, track three. Um, Goodness. sounds of yesterday if i recall on and i was like i was a little caught off guard but i'm like okay 
so that's what your falsetto sounds like. I'm not sure about this. And then Heroes and Villains, I actually, it was weird starting with that, but at the same time, I was like, okay, his falsettos, even though like the span of a day has passed, has actually kind of grown on me. Well, yeah, his falsetto, you're a little off put by it at first, and then you're like, well, I mean, he also sounds really nice in his younger days when he when he used it. But um, yeah, I think I like it more when he uses his falsetto sparingly. I like it when he uses it sparingly, like he sometimes will have it sometimes. That's what I really like about his voice and when he uses it. But yeah, Heroes and Villains, I just kind of like like regret every time I listen through it. I'm like, oh, it's Heroes and Villains. It's a nice song. It's just like, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through this. Yeah. Um, I wrote when I was originally listening through this album, like, you know, the first time, I was like, going to take a lot to convince me this is better than the Beach Boys song, Heroes and Villains. Like, before, <laughs> at the very beginning, before it actually really kicked in, because I love a fair amount of the Beach Boys discography, especially that song. I mean, I placed Heroes and Villains fairly high higher than you i'll put it i'll just say okay. that uh why is uh um, revelations your your uh your worst why not your worst why is it on your the low on the the lowest spot i just it's kind of the verses are kind of bland if you in my opinion like right it's very stripped back just guitar voice uh drums voice and occasional guitar chord and it just kind of doesn't do a whole lot for me but I mm -hmm. love that guitar solo. <laughs> oh, the yeah. First time, the guy, the they, first time on the album, like, whoa, that's, that's oh, great yeah. metal. <laughs> it's, they usually, when they're live, from what I understand, they, the, the guitarist likes to have a lot of solos. He, the guitarist is extremely talented. I can't remember his name, but he's really talented. Yeah. This is, I'm like, oh, okay. This is really interesting. I like it a whole lot. I like that. That. And I also like the chorus. The chorus is what I really like about Revelation. When he, the, just the way he like punches that, his, the revelations, the way he punches that sounds really nice. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, but generally, yeah, I don't have it up higher than you, that much higher than you when it comes to Revelations. So don't you worry. I really like the song, but it's not like, hmm. Um, Fire, ooh, my number nine is Fire Dancer. So the opening song. Oh, I have that way higher because I was really hooked by that. I was oh, like, I can understand. Ooh. Oh, what's your number nine? Again, I'm not. My number nine, um, I'm going to put Lust for Life in number nine. Oh, that one's so higher either. That one's like a bit higher. Just a little bit for me. Uh, okay. But uh, for me, I think uh, uh, for me, why Fire Dancer is so low is because it was super prop. But the intro is intriguing. With Mar I'm pretty sure it's Marco talking in his like lower register, which is interesting. I think it's Marco yeah. talking, and I'm like, okay, interesting. And then it starts with that drum. And I thought it was going to get more primal. I'm like, ooh, this is way different than what Poets of the Fall usually does. And then it gets, it doesn't do with that. It doesn't deal like with the drums at all. I thought it was going to get more primal and like stuff like that. And it then doesn't do that. And I'm like, oh, you're going to go with the synths? I guess I kind of understand that because they're kind of being like fireflies around the, the fire, which is 
interesting, which is what they do. I think what, oh, that's what God. they're doing with the synths. But it's it's just like not what I was promised with that excellent opening drums and then the ending drums. Um, that's why fair. do you uh, you talk about it later? But uh, why why is Lester Life your number nine? I think I, I'll probably so agree. With it. Right. So it's very relaxed. Just um. And I didn't have a whole lot to say. I had a lot to say about like the guitar solo, actually, because mm-hmm. it's. I'll comment on that first, and I'll try and come back to the rest of Lost for Life. But maybe I think it might hint at why it's not super high. It's just like the guitar solo sticks out, and the rest of it's just kind of eh. a little eh, forgettable, maybe. But the guitar solo, it's very '80s in the way it comes in. It's kind of bombastic, even a bit melodramatic. Dare I say, trying to be sexy, but ultimately coming across as laughably cheesy. That's what I wrote. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you why I really... Regardless I, I, of those... Oh. Yeah, I'll tell you why I like it a little what bit. You you. You're fine. Yeah, so okay. I also interrupted you. Yeah. So sexy and stuff like that. Yeah, laughably cheesy, but regardless of those qualities, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> good, good. That makes me happy. That makes me happy. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you. And then, what's your uh, what's your number eight? Number eight. I went with "Sounds of Yesterday." Oh, I again, I have that a bit higher. So um, it's not as drastic as the Killers one, though. Where it's like I have something towards the bottom, you have it at the top, and vice versa. It's like <laughs> okay, yeah, not too far yeah. removed. I have uh, Revelations at eight. It's um, okay. So why do you have uh, Sounds of Yesterday at six? Um, or at uh, eight, at eight, at eight, my bad. <laughs> I have Sounds of Yesterday yeah. at six. Okay. So I have it at eight because it's the first kind of proper ballad on mm-hmm. the song. It, dare I say it, <laughs> using my notes here again it's a bit of a mom pop vibe and like the piano intro before the <laughs> synths and the production actually kick in yeah yeah and i yeah. think i don't know just that kind of like mm, i don't know if i like that kind of style like the, the intro i'm like i'm not sure if i'm ready for this for this band nothing against mom pop if you will but <laughs> Oh, I, I like it when they go on their ballads. That's what oh. that's what sink that's what sinks me in when they go on their ballads. So that's what brought me in. But um, to be fair, I do like a fair number of ballads on here. Cool. This one Great. just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah, I think Actually, this is what the. I remember what it was now. So. Yeah, tell me. You first. Sorry. I was about to say this is oh, what eased okay. me back so into like real... the album. <laughs> ah. Hmm. This is what eased me back into the album. Like, oh, this is the poets of the fall that I knew. And I was really, really okay. liking it. But that's why uh, that's I like fair. Sounds of Yesterday. That's why it gets a bit higher. But Revelations is kind of just like that. I think that's run of the mill kind of rock poets of the fall, yeah. fall song for me. It's just very run of the mill, like not a filler song, if that's a really rude to put it, but it's kind of just like there on the album, like they have to just having fun, not doing much. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven? Well, before I get to it, just a quick note. 
very yeah. very minor thing doesn't probably need to be said but what it was specifically with the piano chord it sounded like the same kind of chord that opens uh raising hell by kesha which is a fun song mm-hmm. um not exactly mom pop given that you know that is the album where kesha drops an f-bomb for all but like two songs i think <laughs> <laughs> oh interesting neat yeah um yeah so what's your number so anyway, seven that was just a, yeah yeah sorry my number seven I had Chasing Echoes. Really? I had that really high. I had that really high. Okay. Uh, 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 my number seven is Lust for Life. Um, why is Chasing Echoes your number seven? I'm really intrigued. Hmm. Well, I think, again, it's like, I think I need one more listen to really get these songs really in my head to see where they stack. But for this one, it was kind of like, again, it's on the popier side of things. Like I could see, uh, I could see like Kelly Clarkson or Shania singing the verses. They're kind of that sort of pop rock vein, the verses. But then mm-hmm. the chorus is a bit more, it's a bit different, it's a bit heavier and almost a bit more emotional. Not emo per se, but like, yeah, it's not too yeah. far out of the range where I guess Paramore could do a chorus like that. Oh, totally. I see that. I totally see that. Um, I, I, I'm going to later why I love Chasing Echoes a whole lot. But yeah, I, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. Um, but Lust for Life for me, the reason why I have it up there, it's very nostalgic. If you listen to like previous Poets of the Fall song, there is like it's very nostalgic like this sounds very similar to one of their previous songs the ballad of jeremiah peacekeeper which is a better song um it's nostalgic in the way it sounds like that and then they mention a previous song as a lyric i can't remember what it was but i was like whoa i didn't get that uh lust for life uh Hmm. i can't remember they mention it uh sorry go around they mentioned that during that a very nostalgic thing which i found really interesting um but yeah i i like it it's very much like a love song um so yeah, yeah. same and then like same goes for my number six which is sounds of yesterday very much like a, i think it's a better love song in a way i love that uh i not the bridge but it's like a it's some part near the end. I really love, uh, I love it. Um, I can't, let me find the lyric. Uh, do, 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 do. I, yeah, I can understand why it sounds like mom pop to you. <laughs> I forgot the, it's 7.47, we're on our way to heaven. <laughs> and it's like, but I think it's a very soothing Actually, song. Yeah. Um, uh interestingly uh, it was the first song where i was actually really getting used to uh what'd you say the singer's name is marcos yeah marcos arresto is his full name yeah i was it's the first song i was really kind of getting used to his voice because like it's i don't know like it's not a bad voice i like it now but like when i first listened i was like hmm i don't know how i feel about this singer Oh, he's like my favorite singer of all time. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, but fair. yeah, it just took me a little bit to get used to that voice. Yeah, um, that was the song where actually it was 
clicked, even though, again, mom-pop. Yeah, uh, I think it's the nothing I do, nothing I say will ever turn the rising tide. That kind of, I really like what he sounds there. Um, um, no, it's the, uh, the if I close my eyes, that final verse before the, uh, the final chorus, I really like. I like his song, how he builds the song there. Um, yeah, but what's your number six? My number six is Weaver of Dreams. Ooh, I have that a bit higher up for me. Um, okay. Yeah, so why is it no your number six? Um, it's, I mean, I feel like a lot of it's very relaxed. And when I first listened, I was just like, it felt like filler when I first listened, but on the second listen, I, it really kind of grew on me. And like, mm. this is also one of the ones where I was like, oh, I was paying a bit more attention to the lyrics and I really like the lyrics. Yes, like, uh, the lyrics are great. Yeah. The pre-chorus touching the clouds they tear while you sail before the wind. Like, this I don't is think a it's... good example. I don't think it's the strongest lyrically. I think it's up there by being one of the strongest lyrically, but it's it's not my favorite for that reason. Um, yeah, uh, totally. Uh, what other things? What what else? Uh, what about uh, what other things about Weaver Dreams? Um, let's see. I like the chorus. It's not like my favorite chorus on the album, but it it's solid. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know, it's just a very consistent song, I think, whereas, like, some of the other ones I mentioned, I mean, they pull off, like, again, kind of the mom-pop and then something a bit different, like, with the chorus. Like, they pull that off well, but this felt more like one kind of musical style for the whole thing. Right, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what's your number five? My number five, Hello Cabaret. So that song grew on me a whole lot. Um, yeah, my number five is Requiem for a, of a Harley Quinn. That's my number five. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Why? Why is Hello Cabaret your number? Your number five. Mine's. That's my Hello Cabaret. I love that song a whole lot. Let's see here. Again, this is where I really started paying attention to the lyrics. So, gotcha. It's got some fun imagery. Um, mm -hmm. I like yeah. his voice on this one. I mean, it's grown on me throughout, but like those opening lines, the way he sells them, I don't know. It oh, hooks me. Totally. Um, yeah, totally. Um, and then. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned these guitar solos a lot because I they are great guitar solos, but like it verges on the 80s cheese again, but then it quickly asserts itself to something a bit more serious. Right. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I remember now. There's a bit of a almost proggy motif and in, proggy instrumental motif later in the song. Yeah, I was like after the solo. Yeah, I remember. Like, I'm like, Connor would find this interesting because there are like very prog moments throughout this album where they're like, there's like very instrumental, like, interest, like very interesting um, instrumentals, like, throughout the, the whole album. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was one where the instrumental really stuck out. Like it was had a very stately vibe, I guess. Mm, that is a perfect way to put it. Perfect way to put it. Um, yeah, but my, my as I said, my number five was a Requiem for a Harlequin. This one really grew on me. Uh, I was like, I don't like this all that much. Sounds like an anime song. But it's just, I love how the chorus is, they use the same chords for the chorus, but they don't often refer to it being a Requiem for a Harley Quinn. They kind of just change up the words a little bit, which is really interesting to me. And I did, and it's, uh, it's a very interesting song by the way it sounds and how it, the song progresses and how Marco, how the lyrics will often change up. I found that really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you want to reveal your number four first then if we're done with the, our fives? Yeah. yeah. My number four right. is Weaver of Dreams. Mm. Yeah, that's not too far from where I had it actually. Yeah. It's <laughs> where... <laughs> yeah. What's your number four? My number four is Heroes and Villains. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Weaver of Dreams. This is where I feel like at the bottom half of the album, which I think the album is the strongest, in my opinion, for me. Um, uh, it's like, this is kind of not the emotional catalyst of it, but it's building to the emotional climax, which is, I feel like, almost like that's a top point of the emotional climax which is hello cabaret which i'll get into but this very it's a very i feel it's like a very emotional pretty emotional song like the building up to that point and my favorite point yeah. of the song which really cemented like oh oh what a beautiful emotional symphony was the part where it like pauses in the middle of the song for like the rest of the song to kick in for like two beats or something like that it's oh that's my, one of my favorite parts on the whole entire song it's what always draws me back again the, the chorus has that really nice hook to it um yeah it just really stands out to me but what why why do you love uh heroes and villains i think you talked about it a little bit when i brought it up but what what stands out to you about heroes and villains yeah um i mean i actually didn't talk a whole lot but I just love that chorus, like the way it comes in, his falsetto really works for me. It's so graceful and serene. Mm. And it's really like the first half of the chorus. I mean, the rest of it's still good too, but like, uh, cause there was one line where I'm like, when I first listened, I was like, I don't like this part of the chorus. Uh, when he says the heroes and villains line, actually, I was like, but no, second time around I was like, no, this still works. Mm. That's oh shoot! I didn't realize that was the lyrics. I've listened to this album a tons of times. Everyone's like, "Yeah, I can understand that." It's just I'm getting really just when I listen to it, I get really distracted by his falsetto. So I mean, I like his falsetto. It's just I I don't. It's hard to pay attention to the lyrics for that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that reveals the focus actually of our listening to this actually because i was very much focused on the melodies and you know the more musical aspects rather than the storytelling admittedly because that's just kind of oh. who i am as a person despite being a writer so i was <laughs> yeah no and i think this is where like why i love poets of the fall is is i focus on marco's voice 
and also like the story he's kind of telling using his vocals. That's yeah. and then the, the and then the instrumentals also play a part. But it's generally his voice or what what really draw me to these songs. Um, and that's what draws me to Poets of the Fall in general. Like his voice, then the lyrics, and then like the instrumentals. Um, mm, our third. Sure. And speaking of third, what's your number three? I feel like my number, the same number three. three is Beyond the Horizon. Yes, we have the same number three. All right. Uh, this is an excellent way, I think for different reasons, but I think this is an excellent way to cap off the album as this really, again, getting to like my, what I described it as being this symphony of emotion and poetry and, and crying out of despair. Hmm. It's kind of this triumphant moment and it's very epic. And again, sounds very symphonic and orchestral and i yes. love it it's oh it's incredible incredible yeah it's again symphonic sweeping um with the guitar solo i mentioned cinematic yes and that applies to the whole song as well because that might be my favorite guitar solo on the album like it's not too flashy and technical but you have it's very i guess lyrical it makes sense but you do have clearly you can tell it's like this is a complicated piece of music and he's playing it mm, flawlessly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i love the suspension at the end like it's not a note you would think the guitar solo would end on because yeah like, it kind of goes up and then you cut right to like the verse again i love it caught me off guard the first time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just a it's a it's a great keys for its uh for its like basically its crescendos and the way it builds itself and it constantly yeah. builds itself again like it brings itself back down and then it immediately crescendos again it's a really an excellent way to finish off the album and i think i like how it um ends too like it's not off-putting with that audio like that verbal part like it's marco's voice isn't super off-putting when i heard it um like it just feels like it's a like oh this makes sense to end the album here like it, it feels like yeah. the perfect way to end the album yeah what's your number two my number two i'm going with fire dancer oh man my number two is hello cabaret uh yeah why is fire dancer your number two i remember you said it hooked you but yeah why is it your yeah. number two <laughs> i mean it hooked me um I just love the groove with like the keys and the synths dur during the intro and the pre-chorus. It's got a nice enigmatic vibe actually, that pre-chorus. Mm. And then I think it modulates, I'd have to re-listen. I think it modulates to like a minor key and it gets un unnerving. And then I don't know, it's mm. just a lot of stuff going on instrumentally here that I like. Yeah. Like during the second verse, there's almost a funk vibe with the guitar interjections, you know, the way it's mm -hmm. accented, syncopated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And I just love the vibe and it just really did a good job of selling me, even though like a lot of the album's a bit more muted, maybe, I guess, compared to this. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. That's kind of like Pose of the Falls thing. <laughs> I mean, the one that's, I think, the most upbeat that they get from what i hear is ultraviolet is very upbeat 
that's very much on the yeah. upbeater end. And they have like two slower songs. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A Fire Dancer is an interesting, as I mentioned, is an interesting intro. But for me, Hello Cabaret is definitely the, what I mentioned earlier, was the, was the emotional climax, the tipping point. And Marco's voice is gorgeous here. I love his little, the way he utilizes his vibrato. I think he is yeah. excellent. This is like a really, a, a really showcase for his control. And the way it's, it's very much a storytelling song. And I love, for some reason, I don't know why he starts it off with like children playing. But it, it's so interesting. That's like a very interesting choice. Yeah. And it's just, um, I, I love the song. I think it's also probably the, my favorite s- song lyrically. It's just, but again, it's his voice that really brings it back for me. His just the way he has, the, like his control is insane. I, and that's why I love it a whole lot. Uh, and our number ones. What's your number one? My number one is Rec- Requiem for My Harlequin. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mine is Chasing Echoes. I think that was also a, I think that was also a one that we, we. Um, so why yeah. is Requiem for a Harlequin your. So why is it your favorite? Nope. So, I mean, it's kind of got the same energy as the first song, but it's mm. the more orchestral textures that I love. It points to a more art rock and almost prog style. Uh, ah. I love the way like the strings gliss up the scale during the chorus. It's very fun, almost kind of self-aware. It's like, yeah, it's a little, it's playful and they're aware mm. of that. Yeah. Okay. You should definitely check out the the um the music video it is definitely in that same vein of being very playful and um uh it's it's an interesting music video if you haven't seen it's very much like kind of out of character i think it's very much in the same vein and i think it's probably marco my favorite performance that marco's done like he's very over the top in it (laughs) so and he's very committed um but he's um it's a very interesting music video. It's also about what you'd expect um, when it comes to it. Uh, but Chasing Echoes, oh, do you have anything else more to say about Requiem of a Harlequin or Requiem for My Harlequin? Um, I mean, that's really like the big stuff. I noticed on Spotify, which is how I listen to this, that Requiem, well, obviously Requiem and Harlequin are going to be capitalized. Uh, but Four is not, but my is capitalized. And I think that's an interesting choice lyrically to really kind of put that emphasis there. Mm, yeah, that is really interesting. It's like, um, I think that's the, the, that's where, like, I think that's where my idea of it being the, the song being the turning point for the album, being this character study and this emotional journey of a man. I don't know what happened to him, but something happened. And it's like, it's his look. And I think he's the Harley Quinn. It's kind of this really kind of sad uh, eulogy in a way or something like that. I don't know, usually of his own like, life or something like that. It's very interesting when you point that out. 
Um, yeah, and I also, I mentioned this earlier, but I love the, uh, I love that it changes every time. The lyrics kind of change every time he goes back to the chorus, which is an interesting choice he makes. But uh, Chasing Echoes, I think, is the most listener-friendly song in the whole entire thing. It's very upbeat, very fast-paced. I love the chorus a whole lot. It just sounds like a song you'd hear on the radio. That's what I like about it a whole lot. Very pop rocky. Um, again, Marco's voice sounds incredible. And it sounds like he's just, if I had a picture of him in a car, it sounds like he's going down the highway the whole time. Like he's speeding down the highway at like night, but nobody's there. It just sounds like he's having the time of his life on this, in this album and this, singing this that's song. Fair. And that's what I really like about it. Again, his voice is what really sticks out to me in the, the uh, chorus. I think it's the, the um, I, I also like the guitar solo in that. Um, I also, yeah, I think it's, I think it's the guitar solo that I really like in the, that part. Where it happens yeah. right after a chorus. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I'd have to re-listen to make sure, but like, because I'm trying to remember if it's a solo and then it's just kind of like a certain motif or if the solo is just kind of really more of a progression than an actual solo. But like there's a guitar mm-hmm. part around where the solo is that sounds like clocks by Coldplay. Like the... <laughs> You're probably right. right. I didn't think about that. Dang, maybe they are borrowing stuff from other songs, and I just don't realize. I think it's just, I think it's just me noticing these random things, because like there was another one I didn't bring up, uh, "Hello Cabaret." Like the chord that ends on, it reminded me of the opening chord to "Roundabout" by Yes. I don't think it's exactly the same, but you're probably right. <laughs> That's so interesting. That is really interesting that they're borrowing all these things. Maybe they are, aren't intentionally doing it. Maybe they are because they intentionally borrowed some stuff from their own songs. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I think, is that everything we were going to talk about? I'll let this part out. Yeah, I think that's, I think so. that's it. Um, thank you, Connor, for listening to the album I suggested and I wanted to get some thoughts about it. So thank you for doing that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the killers one. Cool. I'll be sure to check out uh, stuff. Oh, I did want to mention, I, um, I, I feel like there are two most parts of the fall. I feel like generally speaking, this, this is stronger as a cohesive album while the other two albums before with uh, Ultraviolet and Cleoview, I think those are better albums because they have like more singles. But again, this one is another one where it's like much better cohesively and it feels like that emotional uh, climax and stuff. While the other ones are just really great songs on their own. Um, yeah. Thank you, Connor. Again, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. And that is all. Thank you for listening. And uh, as of right now, I'm going to stick to singular stuff, like solo stuff. So like I'll be by myself and I'll try to do this on a more consistent basis. And I have one guest lined up, but they're not going to be available till August. 
And yeah, so hopefully I'll be doing this more and more often so I can tell you what's been happening and I can get my thoughts out there. So yeah. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, be sure to be on the lookout for more episodes in the future. I think we're done here. So please, step out of my office. <laughs>